Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. We have a special edition Under Armour uh, recap podcast coming for you. This is Clint Longnecker and we have Ben Badler on board as well. We spent the last few days up in Chicago to cover the Under Armour All-America game, the seventh game um, in the event's history, the first played at Wrigley Field. And Ben, this is your first time coming up to Wrigley for this event because there were some international players and some prominent ones. Ben, what were, what were your initial impress- impressions getting up there for the very first time? Yeah, you know, I've, I've always, uh, you know, I've followed the game on TV usually. You know, you and uh, some of the other guys who work on the draft side have always been the ones who've been up there in, in person to see the workout and, and to see uh, the event uh, and to see the game in in person at Wrigley Field. So, uh, you know, going going to, to the game and, and going to the workouts and, and just being around the entire atmosphere for these guys, I mean, they really run a, a first-class show there. Um, that, that they put on for these kids and, and their families. So uh, it was fun to be uh, a part of that. Um, to me, uh, the you know, if in, in terms of the players who who jumped out, you know, one guy who uh, who, who jumped out to me, I would say, who, who maybe didn't do the do a lot in the game, uh, but that's why we have uh, you know this this workout for scouts and. Uh, to watch these guys take BP and, and infield and outfield beforehand uh, was Brendan Rodgers. Um, in the game, I, you know, I, I know you didn't see probably too much from him uh, if you were just watching on on TV. Uh, although he did put together some some quality at bats there, showed he could track pitches, uh, showed he could uh, you know identify uh, pitches in and out of the strike zone. Uh, had a pretty easy swing on him, but. Uh, you know, reading your Q and A with him, it, it, certainly this is a guy who uh, you can tell has a very mature uh, understanding of the game. Seems to take a very analytical approach to the game, and and just watching him all week, there's no, uh, you know, there's no rushing to his game. It's everything he does is very, very, very calm, very under control. Uh, whether it's it's his swing, it's it's a very you know nice, loose, easy swing. Uh, the approach, he, he understands the strike zone. Uh, he's got some, you know, he, he's not the biggest guy there, and, and there certainly were some uh, some big guys there. We can we can talk about them a little bit more later, uh, but there's there's some surprising power in, in his bat too. Uh, and then in the field, it's you know, especially in, in a game like this, it's you know, you can when we saw it too from from some guys where uh, <laughs> you know you, you you rush plays and, and you want to maybe show off a little bit for for the scouts and, and try to get some attention. Uh, but he plays very calm, very under control in the field. Uh, to me, he, he was one of the guys who uh, jumped out for me as somebody I'd be targeting at towards the top of the draft next year. Um, for you, I mean, Clint, you, you've seen these guys a lot more than I have. Uh, who, who were some of the guys who, who jumped out for you? That's a great question. And sorry, before we move on to a few other players, just wanted to you know just wrap up with Brendan Rodgers because he was someone that John and I had talked about in the previous podcast last week, who has risen to the top of the high school position player class. And Ben hit on some great points there. The game just comes very easily to him. And Ben referenced the Q and A that I had with him because we got a chance to sit down with him for about twenty or twenty five minutes, and it was very impressive because Brendan Rodgers had a tremendous East Coast pro. Um, he squared up almost every single ball the final few days of East Coast Pro. And when I asked him about that, he was able to walk me through at bats almost on a pitch-by-pitch sequence for uh, for games that happened three or four weeks ago. And it was, it was tremendous to see that he thought about the game in that capacity and that he was already developed 
in that capacity as someone who, uh, you know, he's still very young, uh, coming through the high school pipeline. So there's certainly a lot to like there with Brendan Rodgers, even though the results in the game might not have showed. And it was, it was, it was kind of funny because he actually had one of his better run times the entire summer, um, shortly after fouling the ball off on his ankle, and he was hobbling around for a little bit, but he still ran close to a 4-2 to first base on a ground out subsequently in that at-bat. But I think uh, one of the main takeaways, at least from, from the evaluators that I've spoken with, is getting a chance to see Kyler Murray. Um, he is the number one quarterback recruit in the entire country out of Texas, down at uh, Allen High School. Down there, he is uh, he's a five foot eleven, about 180-pound quarterback, very wiry and athletic, and he has not lost a game in high school. He's 27-0 in his high school career and has led the team to two straight uh two consecutive state championships and had, I think, 57 combined touchdowns last year. And he was somebody that scouts were very excited to see at the outset of the summer. But his football schedule, going to the Elite 11 quarterback camp and a few other different things, uh, prevented him from being able to get out there and be seen on the baseball field. And so he had a very hectic day getting up there uh, to... Uh, to Wrigley Field on Saturday. Saturday morning he had practice, then his flight was delayed, so he didn't arrive in Chicago on Saturday until about 4.35 when his flight got in, and then the game started at 6.05, so he actually arrived right before the game was beginning as the National Anthem was going, and so his warm-up was not on the field or anything like that. Like the other players, he actually had to go onto the concourse, and they set up a makeshift uh, soft toss net and so he got a few minutes of swings in there and then he, he came in I pinch hit in the fourth inning I believe struck out on on three pitches there was still finding his timing because it had been more than 45 days since he had seen live pitching and then he steps in in his next at bat and has a, uh, a broken bat single right back up the middle and subsequently steals both second and third showing his speed and then you really saw in his third at bat the explosive bat speed that he has. That was one of the things that we had heard before we had ever personally set eyes on him that scouts had said that he has you know plus bat speed and plus speed. So it's a great combination there, and we saw both of those on display in consecutive at bats. He had a 91 mile an hour fastball um, middle in, and he turned on it to left field. Showed tremendous quickness to his hands, and so it was a pretty electrifying performance there from someone who had not played much baseball in in the last few months he's going to be a very very exciting player to watch over the course of uh over the course of the spring because his sheer athletic ability could put him into the top few rounds of the draft yeah i think uh certainly the athleticism was on display that was that was hard to miss from him the the swing from him it's it's a little unorthodox though it seems like he uh, a bit of an odd setup where he, he, he starts out kind of narrow uh, and then gets out to his front side kind of early. I mean, uh, you know, how much certainly the the athleticism is, is there. You have to love that um, in, in terms of how much more uh, refinement of, of the tools and, and translating those into skills. Is, is there a, a big gap for him relative to other players in, in this class? Or, or is this a guy who, who does have some... Uh, some baseball instincts and, and some polish there also. You know, in speaking with some of the evaluators who have seen him throughout his high school season uh, last year, you know, there there is going to have to be some polish going on, um, you know, to, to bring his game, you know, to bring his skills uh, up to his tools. And the, the funny thing is, even though he is a quarterback 
and he has obviously tremendous arm strength, you know, to be able to throw for more than 3,200 yards like he did. He actually played second base for his high school this year. They had an established shortstop. He's probably going to move over to shortstop this year. Some evaluators believe that he will likely end up in center field if he chooses, you know, to play baseball at the next level. Be certainly talented enough to do so. So I think that uh, you know, there, there's a there's a lot of talent there. Now we'll see how things play out for him. Yeah, is, is the sense that uh, maybe it's you know it's too soon because he's he's still going into his senior year of high school. But I mean, this is a guy who's clearly a, a big time college football recruit and and uh, you know already sixteen thousand followers on, <laughs> uh, on his Twitter page, which kind of blows my mind for uh, you know a kid who's still entering his senior year of high school. But uh, is there much sense out there yet among scouts of you know, if if you draft this guy, is, is he going to sign, or, or is he going to? Does does this guy prefer to play football, or, or is that still up in the air right now? You know, I think it's still up in the air. And, you know, I was fortunate to be able to get a chance to talk to him. And he said that, you know, the main driving reason for him to come up here to this game was because he did want to show, you know, get a chance to play in front of some scouts. And, you know, so they had a little bit of history with him, so it wasn't just the spring. So he said that he was going to strongly consider the draft. Now, who knows, you know, how that will actually play out. But that's 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 that, that that's the vibe that he gave off as of this point. But we'll, I, I think it's cert- certainly a situation that bears monitoring going forward. And uh, and just to move on to another player who had a, a fairly standout performance was, uh, you know, we'll stay in the state of Texas there with big uh, right-hander and first baseman Luke and Baker. Luke and Baker really emerged after the Tournament of Stars when he went up to uh, the Junior Select Home Run Derby and won the event at the All-Star Game. And then he turns around and really just put on a tremendous display, a, a display that had <laughs> evaluators uh, laughing because of his just how much raw power that he showed. In Wrigley Field, he had, the, in the opening round of the Home Run Derby, he had three consecutive swings where he lofted the ball over uh, over the Wrigley over the Wrigley bleachers and into Waveland Avenue, and he won the, and he, he was crowned he was crowned the champion. He had one ball that hit off the Toyota sign in deep left center field that rises at least 50 feet above the ground, and so that was one of the more impressive shots out there. And so he showed again tremendous raw power, and he was up to 94 on the mound. Um, and he is just a big, strong individual with enormous hands. So the fact that he was able to show the raw power that he did in a, in a fairly you know marquee event certainly uh, only raises the questions now, e- even furthers the questions about whether he is a position player or a pitcher. Although most teams do do tend to like him on the mound. Yeah, that's. I mean, that is just an enormous human being. Uh, I, you know, he's standing next to him. What, what I think he's listed at what a six four, two forty five, and um, and he and he is two fifty five. So yeah, that that's underselling that's, it. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's yeah. So like you said, seeing that raw power, and then hearing that okay, actually, a lot of scouts prefer this guy on the mound. Um, it's it's pretty remarkable to to see that. Is it that the is it just more that he's he has more advanced pitchability or, or more advanced uh, secondary stuff, or is it that uh, you know maybe the bat is is still uh, a little bit raw right now relative to the other guys in the class? Because certainly I don't think there was any question that uh, this guy had the best raw power that that we saw at the Under Armour event. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think you I think you bring up very good questions. I think right now at this point in the game, it's a little bit of information asymmetry. He had uh, he, he the only time he actually swung the bat at the tournament of stars was on the final day, and you know he he swung it a little bit at the area code games, and he made the most of his opportunities there, hitting an authoritative home run. But you know he left after just a few short days at the area code games, so I think people have just seen him a lot more on the mound, and it's easier to quantify. Uh, the velocity. And the thing is, I mean, he's going to be limited to first base. He's probably going to have to find a position because, you know, people really haven't even seen him move too much over there. And he is a well below average runner. Um, so I think it's a matter of just probably finding a position uh, for him. But the BP display was tremendous. And that home run derby was, uh, in many ways, one of the standout events for a, one of the international uh, players, the, the, the Dominican outfielder, Sterling Heredia. Yeah, yeah, there were two. They always bring international players to this event, which sort of distinguishes it in, in some ways from some of the other events out there. Uh, you know, we've had Ronald Guzman in this game before, uh, who signed with the Rangers for, I believe it was $3.45 million. You know, he's having a down year, but he was certainly uh, considered the top hitter on, on the international market that year. Uh, Nelson Gomez, who just signed with the Yankees for... Uh, a little over $2 million. Dominican third baseman was, was also in the game previously. So uh, this year it was, it was exciting to get to see uh, Heredia and, and Franklin Reyes was there. He's, he's the younger brother of Framiel Reyes, who's a, an outfield prospect in the Padres organization. Um, you know, I've, I've seen Franklin uh, a few times now. Uh, I, I think I probably saw – he probably looked better the last time I saw him in, uh, in, in January – uh, but uh, you know, for both of these guys, you got to keep in mind that uh, you know how, how many times are, are you playing a night game? Uh, how many times are you going you know, to be playing in Wrigley Field? How many times are you going to be playing in a you know a foreign country? You know, these guys both told me they they've been to the United States once before, but um, it's it's really a, tr- a tricky environment for these guys to uh, get out there and, and perform. So uh, yeah, like you said, to see these guys in uh, batting practice certainly was uh, was eye opening. Both of them. I mean, Fran Mil Ray or excuse me, Franklin Reyes. I'm probably going to do that uh, for both their careers. Uh, but <laughs> uh, yeah, seeing him, both those guys were hitting balls out of the ballpark, uh, out of the entire ballpark to Wrig- uh, to left field and in Wrigley Field. Uh, but Heredia, in, in particular, uh, that the raw power he showed that second day. Uh, was was very surprising because the first day at the workout, the ball was just just wasn't carrying at all, and that was pretty widespread for for everybody. So the contact was certainly loud the first day at the workout for Starling Heredia, but the second day was was really impressive. And you know, granted the wind was blown out, but this is a kid who you know Luke and Baker hit a ball off the Toyota sign. Uh, so did so did Starling Aradia. Uh He had some of the best raw power uh, that we we saw on that day, and and that's one of the things too. When when you have kids who are this young, the, just that day to day consistency isn't always there. So you know, and this comes up all the time in, in doing these calls for these July second kids. Is that you know you might see a fifteen or a sixteen year old kid for for a day or for a few days. Uh, and then another team might see him, you know, a few days later, and, and he looks like a, a different guy. So, um, you know, the, the success wasn't there so much in the games for, for either of those guys. You know, Heredia did draw a walk, but uh, for the most part, it's 
uh, for both these guys, there's there's a lot of a lot of effort to the game for them that they're going to have to uh, learn to corral and, and play a little bit more under control. But you know, certainly you can see the the raw power with the, both those guys and, and Haredi in particular. Yeah, as you mentioned, I mean the raw power was tremendous. I think even in the, even in the the workout day on Friday. You know, uh, Heredi was using a bigger leg kick. You really just saw the bat speed. Even when he had more of a line drive swing, he was really just squaring the ball up hard and consistent to left field. The ball came off of his bat about as well as anybody on that day. And, you know, both of those outfielders from the Dominican showed some arm strength and some arm speed. Probably right now the arm speed exceeds the arm strength. But certainly, you know, once they get older, they're probably going to both have uh, some pretty good arms. And the other thing that really stands out with Heredia is just is just the physicality. Um, he is as strong as an ox. And uh, I, don't, I don't even know how to describe his, his, his physical his physical ability. He, he just has tremendous – he looks like he should be playing football in the SEC – just very broad and strength throughout his upper body and lower body. Humongous traps. Ben, how, how would you d- describe him physically? All right, I think we're in the clear. Okay. So I'll just start talking about Heredia momentarily, and then, um, I mean, I think we've gone about 15, it says about 18 minutes here. Is there anything else that you want to cover, uh, Heredia? Um, is there anybody else, uh, just in terms of quick notes on some guys? Um, yeah, the other guys who stood out were like Mountcastle, Hanson, I thought. Um, I don't know if, uh, I mean, Daz Cameron, although I don't know if, how much you guys have talked about him before. Um and then we should probably talk about some of the pitching too, I think. Okay, perfect. So I'll just uh all right, I'll start it up right there. Alright. Uh no, hold on. This thing Alright, we're good. Sorry. Ben, as you mentioned, Heredia certainly showed the raw power in BP and in the home run derby. The thing that also really just stood out about him on Friday was just the pure bat speed. Granted, he was using a little bit of a higher leg kick, um, but the bat speed was tremendous. Uh, he used more of a line drive swing, was really just squaring balls up consistently to left field, and the ball really jumped off his bat. And he is an absolute physical specimen. He looks like somebody who should be playing football right now in the SEC. Tremendous strength up top through his shoulders and chest. Big, enormous traps and a very powerful lower half. Ben, what did you think of him just from a physical standpoint? Yeah, it's, you know, supposedly he's a a solid runner. Um, I mean, he's just extremely physical. Like you said, he's uh, almost like a Marlon Bird type look to him. Um, you, You don't see too many kids his age from the Dominican Republic who are who are built like that just uh he, he's standing next to him it's a lot of strength and like you said up up top and uh in his upper body especially his his, his forearms too are are extremely strong so um to see that that kind of power that he showed on the second day uh you know it, it's surprising to see somebody uh that age hit the ball that far but uh when you see how he's built uh, you can understand where that uh, where that power comes from. 
No question. And this is certainly not a comparison by any means, but I thought that it was it was it was funny, but it was somewhat apt because you actually heard a few scouts say this. Um, the the players in the dugout, the American pl- players. They actually called him Puig just because of the physicality to the body. He's six foot one, one ninety. Um, you know, he's not he's not Puig. He's you know, I'm not I'm not saying that, but just physically, a lot of the players thought that he looked a lot like Yasiel Puig. Yeah, he's definitely got that strong, compact frame. And usually, um, you know, I feel like I'm writing this guy. You know, a lot of players who are you know sixteen year old kids in the Dominican Republic. It's this. You know, a lot of wiry, lanky frames. That's like Reyes. Not him at all. <laughs> like Reyes, six foot four, broad, with a lot of room to fill in. Yeah, this guy. I mean, this guy is. Uh, you know, he's going to get bigger. He's going to get stronger. But uh, this is not a guy who is uh, who's missing a ton of meals. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. And in terms of the awards that were handed out, there there were a few, and the most prominent was. Uh, um, what was the MVP award? It went to LT Tolbert. He had had the, the game the game winning hit there in the eighth inning to drive in the run. He had a single. Um, it was a hard hit single to the opposite field gap as a left handed hitter earlier in the game that he tried to stretch into a double and was thrown out trying to be aggressive and and pick up that extra base. He won the MVP honors because of uh, his exploits uh, late in the game. Ben, what'd you see from LT Tolbert? Yeah, it's uh, he wasn't a guy who who jumped out to me. Uh, on, on that first day, but in the game, uh, it's you know the the swing works, the swing plays in the game. He's he's got size, certainly not a, a, phys, a big physical guy at this point, but you know six three one eighty five. There's there's a lot of room to project future strength gains and and more power down the road. I was I was talking to a scout about him, and you know he said he was he'd been following him for. Uh, for the, for a few days, and he was one of the guys who really jumped out to him uh, before the game, and then obviously after the game, you, you see how the bat plays uh, plays in the game. It certainly seems like there's some some feel for hitting there from the left side. Absolutely, yeah. And you talk about how much strength he's going to be able to gain. He's currently, even though he's listed at 165, his official East Coast Pro height weight was uh, six one and a half, 167. So, yeah, the frame has really got a chance to fill out quite a bit. He's he's quite of a he's he's, he's a fa- fairly good projection guy as a position player, and he has some defensive aptitude. shows shows some good hands. Uh, the arm strength towards the end of the summer hasn't quite shown as well as it did earlier in the summer, but he's a pretty good athlete. Although he is um, well below average runner, and uh, the the player who won the MVP award on the other side was kind of a similar profile um, as LT Tolbert, big with a chance to with the chance to get stronger, and who shows some feel for the bat uh, with Ryan Mountcastle. Ryan Mountcastle lined quite a few balls up. If you saw earlier in the game, he had uh, he had a line drive to center field that Daz Cameron made on a diving catch, and then one of the also and then one of the other better defensive plays the entire game. Was um, was when Montcastle hit a ball to second base, and Alonzo Jones, the big, strong, powerful second baseman, made a great play up the middle, throwing on the run back across his body. So LT Tolbert, or sorry, excuse me, uh, Ryan Mountcastle squared up a few balls throughout the course of his time in Wrigley. Yeah, yeah, he was the other one of the other guys who really jumped out to me. Uh, maybe doesn't show up in the box score just because of so some, some really good defense, like you said by. Uh, by Alonzo Jones and by Daz Cameron, but uh, another guy who seemed like the swing worked. Their size, there's projectable power there. Uh, seemed like a guy who who really had feel for the game and, and feel for the barrel. 
Yeah, he does. And that that's one of his defining characteristics is really just his his bat speed. You know, he's gone through a few mechanical changes at the plate here, but the bat speed has remained consistent and Sometimes he doesn't show as well in BP as he does in games, but he squares the ball up consistently a game to the Tournament of Stars. He was one of the top performers there, and he had a game very similar to what he did in Wrigley where he squared up three or four balls. Unfortunately, only came away with one hit, but at this, po- at this point in the game, you're looking for you know just the ability to impact the baseball, and he's shown that on a fairly consistent basis. One of the things that he's going to have to improve going forward, and we talked about this after the game, is his arm strength. The arm strength, scouts are probably looking to profile on the left side of the infield a little more arm strength than he has presently shown, but he says he's working on it every day, trying to get out there and long toss and really improve in that regard, because that's probably going to be one of the keys to his prospect status going forward. Yeah, I mean, of, of all these uh, position players that, that we've talked about, is of all the guys you've seen, was there one guy who um, you know maybe elevated his stock Maybe it's one of these guys that that we were just talking about, but uh, is there one guy who you think really improved his stock in the eyes of scouts from from this uh, from this event? Maybe not because of this event, but over the course of the entire summer, he has finished strong. Uh, Cabrian Hayes, the, the, an infielder from Texas, who's the son of Charlie Hayes, he re, he's impressive because he, he like Mountain Castle, takes good quality at bats in game, shows good bat-to-ball ability. But the thing that he showed on Friday in the workout day over at the beautiful uh, new stadium at the University of Illinois Chicago is he started to show more raw power. In his first two rounds of BP, he lined, he lined the ball up consistently to both gaps, um, and in the third round, he started to show more power than he's shown at any point in this entire summer. He had five swings in that final round, hit two balls out to left field, and he's shown some arm strength over there at third base, although his his range is not exceptional, but it, you know it's going to be at least adequate, probably you know get a play two average. But the fact that he showed more of the raw power, that was probably the one thing that evaluators wanted to see more out of his profile at third base because they're fairly confident with his easy swing and ability to just, you know, put the bat on the ball and do it consistently with that power, that's certainly going to assuage some of the concerns going forward. Ben, who, who, who are some other guys who stood out for you? Yeah, uh, one, one guy who jumped out for me was uh, Mitchell Hansen. Um, watching him in BP, I thought it was a nice, easy swing. Uh, not not that big raw power uh, that you see from, from some of the other guys who were there, but uh, but it, it's you know he could certainly put a good charge of the ball to the warning track. I think maybe occasionally uh, over the fence. But uh, when you have a guy who's uh, his size, I'm, I'm just looking at the roster. He's listed at six four, one ninety seven uh, on the All America roster. It certainly seemed like there was a lot of room to fill out his frame. And usually when you see a guy who is you know six foot four, uh, you know seventeen year old kid. Um, it, it, it's 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 hard to maintain a, that kind of short, loose, uh, easy swing. Usually, there's a lot of moving parts to it and uh, a lot of length to it. But with him, it, it actually seemed like you know there there was some feel for feel for the barrel there. There was some uh, some sense of how to keep his swing calm and, and under control. Uh, I really liked what what he brought to, uh, to the field, especially at the plate. Yeah, he's someone who really just stands out before he even walks onto the field. You mentioned the frame there. He's really just a good-looking good, good looking body, good-looking kid, and he just really takes a very professional BP. 
and then you see him run because he's a very good athlete as well. Um, he's a skill position player um, for his football team. It got him some time at both wide receiver and quarterback, and he was only the second player in the history of his school to start as a freshman on the gridiron. And I think within these next few days, he's deciding whether or not he's going to play football this season. But certainly, um, he's he's a very talented player, and he, he has a chance to potentially stay in center field. Although, you know, how much stronger and bigger he gets will probably dictate that. But he has posted uh, plus run times out of the box. So there's a lot to like with Mitch Hansen, who, who is a Stanford commit. Nice. Is, um, you know, of, of all these guys that you saw, uh, and, and maybe it's uh, maybe it's somebody on the mound too, but do, do any of these guys uh, jump out to you as a guy who could be a, a potentially top 10 or, or maybe even a top 5 pick? Uh, next year's draft. That, that's a great question. I think uh, you know, in speaking with in speaking with evaluators, they're you know they're going to take a wait and see approach on this group of high school pitchers because there is not someone who profiles quite as well as Carlo. Or sorry, as as Brady Aiken did last year, or as Tyler Kolick. Although there is some arm strength, and Justin Hooper, the left-hander out of Northern California, again showed some pretty good arm strength as as he did the week prior at the Perfect Game All American Classic. He he ran his fastball in the mid nineties. Uh, touching 96 um, with pretty good extension out front. There's a lot to like there. Um, he's going to have to probably rein in his control a little bit going forward, but it really just like the profile of, of a guy who's 6'7", who, who's, who's, up to, who's up to 96 and 97. Um, so there's a lot to like there. And I think someone who showed very well is uh, the Pennsylvania right-hander Mike Nickerack. Um, he's someone who came out at the very outset of the summer at Perfect Game National, had the best velo of the entire event, according to TrackMan, ran his fastball up to um, 95.9, and his velo dipped at East Coast Pro a little bit, and it was back up, um, into the low, sitting in the low 90s um, at, at, at the area code games, and then he showed well running it back into the mid-90s in one inning stints at both the All-American games the last two weeks. But the separator for him is really just kind of the easy delivery he can get some downhill plane and some arm side sink. And the changeup, when I spoke with Mike Nickerack on Friday, the changeup was really the one thing that he wanted to focus on going forward over the offseason to show that he had a true three-pitch mix, although his breaking ball hasn't shown as well in recent weeks. And uh, his changeup was a true weapon for him in Wrigley. He started out, uh, it was a pretty good sequence to start out the the game um, against Nick Plummer. He went breaking ball although it was for a ball, fastball, swing and miss on changeup, and then he, he struck Nick Plummer out on another changeup there. And, and it, uh, you know to the three-hole hitter, Ryan Johnson, he started him out with the changeup for a strike. So the fact that the changeup has shown such a... Um, such an improvement here over the course of the summer because he hasn't, you know, he doesn't throw it much in high school ball as you know many of these very talented guys, you know, who can run it up into the low to mid nineties do. But it's it's a true weapon for him. So I think that that was a that was a great outing for him, and you know he didn't have to rear back for his velocity. It was a fairly easy delivery. Ben, was there anyone who stood out for you on the mound? Yeah, you know, I was sitting off. Uh, I know you were behind the plate. I was sitting off to the uh, to the first base side to get that open look. Uh, on the hitters, so um, in, in terms of the velocity, uh, just from talking to scouts, it seems like a lot of guys were, were maybe a little bit down this year, but or excuse me, not this year, but uh, down at the event. At this event, where, yep. Where they were uh, previously, so uh, I, I don't know if it was fatigue or not, but certainly a guy who, just from the hitters' reactions, <laughs> you could certainly tell there were some uncomfortable swings against Justin Hooper, 
that, that you talked about, uh, but also against uh, Ash Russell. Uh, it, it seemed like there was uh, a lot of swing and miss uh, to his stuff. He, he worked quickly, and there, there were just a lot of uncomfortable knees and <laughs> and hips when, when he was uh, uh, from the hitters when he was on the mound. That's a great point. Yeah, he was someone that John and I had talked about in last week's podcast. His fastball largely sat in the same range that it did at the Perfect Game All-American Classic, sitting in that 92-94 to 94 range with some life uh, to his glove side, kind of that exploding and riding life through the zone. And his breaking ball showed better. He was able to get a few swings and misses on the breaking ball. And in speaking with Ash, um, he actually throws two different breaking balls. Although it's in the same velocity range, about a 3 or 4 mile an hour separation between his breaking balls, he has the curveball and he has a slider. So that was one of the things that scouts early in the summer had thought, you know, the consistency of the shape of his breaking ball. But it was actually two different breaking balls, even though it is fairly atypical because the velocity range is so narrow for these for those two pitches. Yeah, do, do you get the sense that uh, the, the pitching uh, this year is, is on the high school side compared to last year? Uh, do you get the sense that it's going to be better or, or, or worse, or, or is it going to be comparable to, to where it was uh, in the draft this year? That's a good question. I think last year's class was a historically good class, and, and speaking to evaluators, um, you know, they say it'll probably be at least a few more drafts before we have a class you know, that is as talented as the 2014 high school crop of pitchers because you had depth and power from the, both the left and right side. And there is velocity in this class probably an above average class for velocity and some other different elements that you look for because there's certainly a few you know very good pitching bodies out there but um i think it's things are still going to fall short of last year because last year was just such a historically strong year ben before we wrap up are there any other things that you'd like to hit on uh no i mean i think those were those are really the the main guys who stood out um you know i, I know you guys have talked about das cameron uh a bunch before he, he he was certainly another guy who uh, was just was impressive uh, uh, defensively, uh, offensively. You, you could certainly see the the tools were there, but um, but yeah, if I I think those were the main guys that uh, that I saw who jumped out for me. Okay, great. Well, in signing off, we just wanted to say thank you very much for uh, Steve Bernhard and the rest of the crew over at Baseball Factory for you know getting a great group of talent together. You know, last year there were eighteen players at the Under Armour game who went in either the first or second round or got bonuses commensurate with that range. So that includes Carson Sands and Dylan Cease, who were actually both drafted by the Cubs in the middle rounds there. And then paid, uh, you know, like top two rounds players. So it'll be very interesting to see um, how many players from this year's uh, group, you know, go potentially in those top few rounds. Because last year was a very, very talented class. So they did a great job getting, uh, you know, a, a great crop again this year. So it'll be very, very fun to follow. So um, from Ben, I'm Clint. Uh, we'll see you next time.